Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church, The Samaritan Woman, as Elder Craig Johnson continues our study in the Gospel according to John. We're in John chapter 4. I'd like to start out this morning, we're going to read John 4, just the first through the sixth, part of the sixth verse. So we're not going to read the whole passage just yet, that's to come. But would you stand with me as we look at the scripture? And I believe he's going to put it up here on the screen. It'll be verses 1 through 6. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, He left Judea and went away again into Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And and Jacob's well was there. The Lord blessed the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for just exposing yourself to us for giving us the privilege to uh, worship you today. Father, we just pray that the words that I speak and the ears that hear, Father, would be able to put your message through your Holy Spirit into their heart. Father, thank you again for just showing us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You can sit down. Before I begin, I'd like to give you just a bit of a geographical background where we're traveling today. You can put up the map there. Jesus and his disciples were in Judea and wanted to travel to Galilee. And as you can see, Bethlehem, Jerusalem are down here at the bottom. One route that they decided to go or that they could have uh, traveled would be on the east side of the Jordan. Some people went just on the west side of the Jordan. That was a travel route also, but mostly on the east side of the Jordan. There was another route over further toward the coast. Both of these routes, it took a couple of days longer for a Jew to get up to Galilee. But in the same manner, both of these routes had many bandits or robbers along the way. So this was a risky trip. Uh, Most of the Jews would travel, when they would travel, they would travel in small groups, 10, 12 uh, people. They usually did not go by themselves or just as a couple. They would travel in a group because it was a little bit more secure. 
when Jesus and his 12 disciples chose to go to Galilee, they went directly through Samaria. And that's where we get the story for today. One of the reasons that the Jews usually traveled to the outside of uh, Samaria, because the Samaritans were a mixed race and believed in the first five books of the, of the Bible, the Pentateuch, along with Baal and a few other gods. The Samaritans and Jews had a dislike for each other. Actually, they despised each other. The Jews were God's chosen race and considered themselves better than the Samaritans. The Samaritans uh, believed in the first five books. They even built a temple on Mount Gerizim near where we're going to look today. This was destroyed and burned approximately 150 to 100 years before Christ by Hellenistic Jews. There was a lot of hatred and animosity. Where we're looking at today takes place at Jacob's well right near Mount Gerizim. But before I get into the story, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I always like to talk about myself. I was pretty small when I was growing up. I was sort of the run to the litter. And uh, until about the eighth grade, between the eighth and the ninth grade, I grew eight inches in that one year. I was a pretty good kid. Matter of fact, I was a, a real good kid. I had a sense of humor, and I think maybe I developed that from being too small. I could tell a good story, and boy, um, I could tell a good joke. When I got a little bit older into high school, I did a little bit of carousing. I did a little bit of drinking, and boy, I could tell a good story. When I was a senior, I was popular on the cheerleading squad. We had a, a men's rally and a girls' rally. There were six girls on the senior cheerleading squad. And there were three guys that were also on the cheerleading squad. We went to Squaw Valley and attended the uh, cheerleading camp down there. This was people from Washington, Idaho, Wyoming, uh, Utah, Nevada, Oregon, uh, some places in Northern California. So it was a pretty big deal. Anyway, I uh, thought I was a good kid. I believed that I was a Christian. I went to church at least twice a year, Easter and Christmas. And uh, I pretty much thought I had the world by the tail. I thought I pretty much had it all together. But I had this nagging at my heart. Is this all there is to it? Is this what life is about? Then I met Jesus. I can tell you that Jesus is the answer. 
Jesus is the answer to all the questions you may have or complexities in your life. Like me, each of you may have questions or concerns in your life. Number one, you may have hurts or concerns that we can't share with others. We feel very private about those hurts and concerns. Number two, you may feel guilt or rejection or condemnation by your peers. We may feel that we have no hope, number three. We may feel that we have no hope. We're looking for answers in life, all of us. Just because kids, just because we're a little bit older, I'm retired, people have occupations, doesn't matter that we have these things. We still have these questions in our life. Today we're going to look at a meeting that Christ had with the Samaritan woman as they were on this journey up to uh, Galilee. Number one, Jesus speaks to each of us when we hurt. I'd like to read John 4. You can follow along, I believe, on the screen. We'll have it. This is verse 6 through verse 29, I believe. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. The woman of Samaria, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the, therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is very deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself, and his sons and his cattle, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. 
Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. Jesus speaks to each of us when we hurt. Even though Jesus is God, he allowed himself to be fully human and submitted to physical limitations in his humanity. He did get tired. He did get thirsty. He did get hungry. You can understand that he was there by himself when it was hot, at noontime, in the midst of the day. He was tired from his long journey. There came a woman of Samaria, in verse 7. Why did she come at noon, in the heat of the day, by herself? You, women usually came in the morning or in the evening when they needed to get water. They would often travel with friends. This was not a young woman. A lot of times I used to think when I'd read the Bible that the woman of Samaria was, you know, like 17 or 18 years old. This was not a young woman. Uh, it does not say in the scripture how old she was. This woman felt rejected. She felt ashamed. She knew what she had done in her life. She had been used. She had been abused. She had been beaten up in life. She had been discarded. She lives with a man who won't marry her. Jesus kindly asked her for a drink. This is highly unusual for a Jewish man, a rabbi or Jewish leader, to speak to a Samaritan woman. She was shocked that Jesus would ask her for a drink, let alone even speak to her. 
This was far away from social norms. A Jewish man does not even acknowledge a Samaritan woman, especially a woman like her. He asks her for a drink with a compassionate voice. The disciples had left a little bit earlier. And I want you to picture this. It's not written in the scripture. We don't know for positive. But I want you to understand this. Sychar was just a short distance away. The disciples were walking along, all 12 of them, and they're conversational. They're enjoying their time. Here comes this Samaritan woman who most likely, I would suspect, she stepped off the path as the men pass by. In their pride, they're thinking, she's a Samaritan. We're Jews. She can step to the side. She's by herself. They don't have to worry about her. They passed by going towards Sychar. And as she questioned Jesus about asking for the drink, Jesus answered her gently, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is tugging at her heart, but she has no clue as to who he is. Picture this. She has no knowledge about who Jesus is. This is just some strange Jewish man. How are you going to do this? You don't have a bucket or a rope. The well is very, very deep. Where do you get living water? In that day, living water often referred to a spring flowing freely and cleanly. Pure water, cool water, clean water. This was a deep, deep well. Jesus is using a metaphor from Jeremiah 2.13 where Yahweh decries the disobedient Jews for rejecting him, the fountain of living waters. The Old Testament prophets look forward to a time when living waters would flow out of Jerusalem in Ezekiel 47.9. The Old Testament metaphor spoke of the knowledge of God and as grace, which provides cleansing spiritual life and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. I think Jesus is using physical well water in this dry, hot region to convey to her her need for spiritual transformation. Everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. I will give him a well of water that springs up to eternal life. I can just see the woman. Wow, I won't have to walk all this distance in the heat of the day. 
carrying a heavy bucket back home. I won't have to face rejection. I won't have to face the shame that I experience daily. Give me this water. When the woman fails to understand the metaphor of the living water that Jesus was using, he changed the conversation. Number two, Jesus does not speak to us in condemnation. He did not condemn her. Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answers her husband, or answers that she has no husband, but does not reveal that she's had five husbands and she's living with a man out of marriage. Imagine this woman. Jesus has never met her. He should not know her circumstances. She has come to the well in the middle of the day, in the heat, by herself. She feels condemned by others. She's experiencing self-condemnation. I'm sure she was asking herself, who is this man? She again attempts to avoid the subject of her heart. She says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You know things that you should not know. Number three, Jesus offers each of us hope. Jesus offers us hope. Jesus then speaks to her heart and offers her hope. But an hour is coming, and now is, where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. The Samaritan woman, as you notice in the next few verses, she is looking forward to the Messiah coming. But she doesn't realize the man who she's talking with is the Messiah until he says, I who speak to you am he. Jesus tells a Samaritan woman who he is. At that time, his disciples returned and wondered, what is he doing talking to this Samaritan woman? But they didn't ask questions. They thought Jesus had a reason and a purpose. She was so excited that she ran off, she left her water bucket there at the well, which she had filled, I'm sure, and she returned to her village, to Sychar, and she started proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, that he came, come with me, I want to show you this man, he is the Christ, I know he's the Christ. She left Jesus to return to her village and tell the people who she had met, the Messiah. I want you to reflect on this excited woman returning to Sychar with joy and enthusiasm. Many times people had seen her. They saw, they knew who she was, that she was a 
woman of many, many marriages. She had an excitement about this man she had met. And as the disciples are returning, the disciples saw that Jesus is talking to this woman before she ran off, or after she ran off. Jesus spoke with the disciples, and he said, the fields are ripe for harvest. Can you picture this again? Here's the disciples coming back. They see her talking. The woman leaves hurriedly, leaves her pot of water there by the well. The disciples are talking to Jesus, and he converses with them about who he is and what he is doing, what he's speaking about. Jesus says, the fields are ripe for harvest. And the men turn and see the group of people not one or two people, but many people returning from Sychar. They want to see who the Messiah is. This is the one thing I wanted to ask you today. What secrets do you have in your heart that you normally do not reveal? If at all, maybe you reveal them to your wife or your husband. Um, maybe not. Anger, self-reliance, gossip, lust. There's many, many others. Jesus has paid the penalty for my sin, but I have to acknowledge my sin and repent before him. Last week, we discussed John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want to ask you today, do you have this eternal life? Do you have this full, abundant, rewarding eternal life. If you're doubtful or you're not sure, speak with someone today before you leave. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We give you thanks, Father, just for your goodness to each of us. Father, I pray if there's anybody here who does not know you in a personal, rewarding manner, Father, they would bend their knee out of their pride, they would humble themselves before you. You are the eternal king. Father, we just pray that uh, people would bow before you. And we look forward to being in paradise with you. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.